Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. Hey Kieran, the evil mastermind turned out to be the Shagadelic Spy's long lost Belgian brother. And if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't be listening to Why the show. Why are you spoiling Spectre because. for everybody? <laughs> you know what I thought of that when I came down here? I was like, hang on a second. Did Spectre rip off that movie? Yeah, that movie that won't be named. That we won't name that movie, but it kind of did. Kind of did in, in one of the most disappointing twists mm. I've ever seen. In Bond movie history. That's right. Bond movies don't need twists, but we can talk about that in a later episode. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't heard an episode of ours before, what we do is we look at all the promotional material for a movie, including a trailer, as we just mentioned, or posters in some circumstances, and then we try and work out as much of the plot as humanly possible. That's right. And then we go watch the movies that when they do come out and see how close or how far we were away from what the plot of the actual movie was. Yeah. Uh, that's typically a lot further down the track. As far as revisiting movies, the most recent one we did was Hellboy. Mm. And I think in two weeks, we're going to come back and look at Avengers Endgame. And that's all the way oh. back in the fifth episode. We're almost at episode 50. Yeah, we're just two on top of these movies. We're, yeah. we're predicting them faster than they're coming out. Avengers is going to be an interesting one, though. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to <laughs> revisiting I that one. I don't think we did anything right in that one. No, I really don't think so. I'll be very surprised if we get any points I want to just all. get one thing. I just want to get one thing in Avengers right. Like, maybe... I guess I predicted certain characters would be in the movie, so yeah. yay. We thought Captain Marvel would be in the movie, and oh, she was. She was. We're great. And so moving on from talking about Avengers Endgame, we mentioned a certain specific secret spy before, and this week we're talking about a movie that's very much inspired by the James Bond franchise, I suppose you could say. Definitely. It's The Kingsman, which is a prequel to the Kingsman series. Yeah. Now, I've been calling it Kingsman for all these years. Well, that's the organization's name, right? No, it's Kingsman. Oh, it Kingsman? I've been calling it Kingsman this whole time, and everyone just must think I'm an idiot. I thought it was Kingsman. It's not. Because it's plural. I think you were calling it Kingsman as well, but it is Kingsman. Oh, okay. So the organization is called Kingsman. Yeah. And the last movie, well, the last two movies were called The Kingsman, you know, The Secret Service, and then The Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Oh, okay. Or whatever it was called, The, the Golden there Compass. Go. There you go. I just thought they were playing on that for this movie and just calling it Kingsman, like, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's the first Kingsman. I think Kingsman <laughs> rolls off the tongue more because it's plural. Yep. But the Kingsman sort of refers to, if you ask me, to one specific person. It's like the That's king's what I would personal thought. secret service agent. You're opening up a whole new world for me. I, I didn't know it was the Kingsman. There we go. This is an educational show, apparently. But thankfully, because we're Australians, we say a man and men pretty interchangeably. So, so we say Kingsman. Yeah. So that could be M-A-N or M-E-N. Yeah, we just dropped the, you know. So just pretend we said Kingsman. The last few letters of every word, so it's just Kingsman. Pretend we said that every other time. (laughs) Kingsman, right? Kingsman. Sounds like a STI. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so Kingsman is actually based on a comic book series. The movie series is actually very loosely based on a comic book series. Yeah, I had no idea about this until doing the research. Really? Yeah. I knew this before the first movie even came out. Did you read any of the comics? No, I did not. No, I didn't. I've never touched an issue. But yeah, the comic book series was actually written by Mark Miller, who also wrote Kick-Ass, and he, believe it or not, wrote the Civil War series in the Marvel comics. I didn't he know he wrote Civil War. with that whole plot line. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it was also illustrated by Dave Gibbons, who most people will know as illustrating Watchmen. That's probably his biggest claim to fame. And uh, Beneath the Steel Sky. Oh, that's right. He did the art for that video game. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What an obscure pull there, Matty D. <laughs> Kick-Ass and Kingsman are in the same universe. Yeah, that's right. So apparently it's called the Millerverse, named, (laughs) of course, after Mark Miller. But yeah, they are in the same universe, and apparently they reference each other all the time. I I wouldn't know, having never picked up an issue. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be in the movies. But this movie, The King's Man, is actually a prequel to the Kingsman movies. So they are related, but not directly. Now, apparently, this movie was being filmed back-to-back with the third Kingsman That's movie. That's right, the, the Golden Circle. No, that one's already out. Oh, really? I thought it was that movie that it was being... The third Kingsman movie. Oh. The second Kingsman movie is the Golden Circle. I thought it was... It was filmed. being filmed with the third Kingsman movie. This isn't the third movie. This is a prequel. Yeah. But yeah, apparently, it's, it was supposed to be filmed back-to-back, but I don't know if that's actually the case, because we haven't seen any information on a third Kingsman movie so far. Because they're making the third one, and they're also making a another spin-off with the American... I think they're doing a TV show, they said. Oh, God. (laughs) They really want this franchise to be a thing. I don't know if it is. 
not being too familiar with it myself, but they're really pushing for it to be one. Now, this movie was supposed to come out around this time this year. So it was supposed to come out November 16th, mm. 2019. And, and we've been expecting it. Yeah, we've had it on the schedule since earlier this year. But it was actually pushed back to February next year, which is why we're talking about it now. But since we announced that we were doing the episode, they've pushed it back even further. So it's going all the way back to September 2020. Well, at least we got a trailer for this movie. Yeah, we've got two trailers, actually. That's right. Which got I'm two. very excited about. But I don't know if there's any information. In They're there. very similar, though. So we're doing this movie very early, since it's going to be coming out at the end of next year. So around this time next year, that's when you'll be able to watch and see if we got anywhere close to our predictions. There there are some actors that aren't even credited. Some actors that aren't even given characters. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So Which made it difficult. I feel like the closer we get to this movie, the more information there's going to be with like who Stanley Tucci is and and whatever. But we're kind of going in a little bit blind with this one. It's not like we haven't done this before, though. We've gone in with basically zero information in the past, and we've done quite well. Well, actually, yeah. personally speaking. Yeah, yeah, without even a trailer. So I'm kind of confident that we may be able to nail a few details this time. We're kind of unburdened from our shackles. Yeah, exactly. Know? We can just throw any old random stuff out there yeah. and we might hit directly on the mark. We might not. It's probably more likely that you know, we won't. But and, yeah. You know, they tend to put things in the trailer that don't happen in the movie and stuff on the yeah. IMDb They might do page. reshoots. They're probably doing reshoots. That's probably why it's being delayed. They probably watched the movie and went, this is a mess. Yeah. Let's refilm some of this stuff and make it make more sense. Because I've got to say, these trailers were incredibly confusing. There's just so much stuff going on and I don't know how it relates to each other. Yeah, yeah. So the trailers that we have for this movie, there's two at the moment. There are a lot of action and like every trailer, it seems, just a lot of like Moments. different different countries, different characters. How many times did you see someone swinging a sword in those trailers? Oh. I feel like every second shot is Ray Fiennes just brandishing a sword and waving it around. But it looks like it's going to be very action-packed and very stylized. Yeah. It's going to look cool. Like the previous two movies, of course. Yeah. So, Matty D, I'm desperate to know, what is your history with the Kingsman universe? Okay, Now so that I, it is a universe. Uh, yeah. So, I remember going to see this movie in cinemas and with a friend of mine, actually, that really wanted to go see it. I hadn't really known anything about the movie other than seeing one poster with the main female antagonist on right. it. Right, the Blade Runner. Yeah, that's right, the Blade Runner, yeah. So I remember thinking it was just going to be a standard action movie and my friend was really adamant to go see it and I was like, oh yeah, sure. So a big group of us went to go see it and when I started watching it, I was so overjoyed by the fact that it was just a movie that didn't take itself too seriously. This was during a stage where every single movie had to be gritty and realistic and you know dark and brooding and deep and meaningful, but this was just a movie. Even the James Bond movies were like this. But this was yeah. just a movie that was just like, we're just going to have fun and, and be stupid and enjoy the spy world. And I, I was laughing, I was enjoying myself, and then the whole ending, I just loved I was I walked away and it was just like, this is a great movie. I, I loved it. I was telling everyone how great it was. I was telling you to go see it for ages. Um, I was telling other people who were like, oh, I don't know, it doesn't look good. I was like, no, you got to see this movie. It's, it's great. So I guess you benefited from having very low expectations going in. It wasn't what you were expecting. Exactly, exactly. And I feel that's an indication of of your history but anyway <laughs> but anyway I just really liked the fact that you know even the romantic subplot was like you thought they were going into he would fall in love with the girl but then it was like nope he just wants to bang the princess what romantic subplot oh you mean the other girl in yeah, the organisation you, you, okay. think, you think they're going to get together like in typical movies no he's just going to go have a one night stand with the well what was supposed to be a one night stand with the princess a you know what I mean stand. yeah exactly exactly and that was the sort of style of the movie and I enjoyed it so I was really excited for the sequel I didn't go see it. I didn't go rush out to cinemas to see it. But I listened to a, another movie podcast where they completely... An inferior podcast. An inferior. you got to treat the peasants, you know. Okay. <laughs> you got to see what else is out in the market. But they absolutely slammed the sequel. Right. I was like, oh, okay. Well, it can't be that bad because the first movie is so good. And then I watched the second movie and I was very, very disappointed. It was like they sucked everything I loved in the first movie out and it was just some skeleton of itself. So Ooh, I, was, I did hear that about that movie. I was very, movie. very mad. So I didn't watch that cinemas i watched that in the great old realms of netflix and i was very very disappointed so when this movie got announced i was like well hopefully they learn from their mistakes and go back to what works which is what was the first kingsman and hopefully they don't mess that up 
up like they did for the second one. That's a long answer to your question there. Wow. So you've never read one of the comics? No, I never have. Okay. I didn't even know they were comics until doing this show. There you go. Maybe you have something to look out for. Mm. Now, as far as my history is concerned, I think we've mentioned this already on previous episodes. I'd never seen any one of these movies, had no real interest in seeing any of them. So I sort of felt obligated to at least watch one of them before recording this episode. And I watched it yesterday and it was a fun movie. Yay. I thought it was enjoyable, but I wouldn't say it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. I wouldn't say. No, of course not. It's not supposed to be. I had a grand old time watching it. It was pretty formulaic. It's nothing I hadn't seen before. So nothing really stood out to me. So I'll probably forget all about it in two weeks. But one thing that almost ruined the whole movie for me when I was watching it, there's a scene in the movie where they're in a room. This is during their spy training. There's a scene where their sleeping quarters fills up with water and their way of preventing themselves from drowning is by going and detaching hoses from the shower head and then sticking them into the toilet round the S-bend and basically into where you would presume the sewage pipe would be. And then breathing through that way. Do you remember that scene? No, I don't remember that scene. And you love this movie. You don't remember that scene? And this is what bothered you? This was one major thing that bothered me. If you weren't aware, the reason that there are S-bends in the toilet is to prevent toxic sewer gas from coming up into your house. It's the same thing if they didn't have an S-bend in the plug in your sink. Okay, well, this is not fair because you're coming at this from previous knowledge. Yeah, I have removed toilets in the past and I know about the gas having known people who were exposed to the gas for short periods of time and suffered greatly for it. So I guess not a lot of people would know that, but it just seems so odd to just presume, oh, where are we going to get fresh oxygen from? The toilet, the sewer pipe. That makes sense. This is a movie that people's heads were exploding in. Yeah, of course. So you got to let it go a little bit. I forgave it pretty quickly after that. But when I saw that, I was (laughs) like, hang on, they must think I'm an idiot. That took you out of the movie. That was like, this movie is not grounded in reality. You know what I thought was going to pull you out of the movie, to be honest? I was like, Kieran will like this because it's a throwback to the old school James Bond, which is what was really It really feel like a throwback to Uh, the old James Bond. It felt more like a throwback to the Roger Moore era James Bond. Well, I thought you were going to not like Samuel L. Jackson in the movie. I thought that. Oh, was he like... was fine. Oh, you didn't mind. He was him? fine. Okay, I but, liked yeah. him, but I didn't think you might. No, yeah, it was fine. Like I said, it was a fun movie. Pretty standard popcorn fare, but yeah, I'm not going to get excited and jump up and down about it. Yeah. And I certainly wasn't excited to watch the sequel, having heard people's opinions of it. <laughs> yeah, I would avoid that one. But here we find ourselves today talking about the newest movie, talking a, about a prequel, a prequel to that movie. So because I suppose I'm going to get excited the, about it in some way. The question is, how did the Kingsman, the Kingsman start? Yeah, because everyone was desperate uh, yeah. to get an answer to that question. You know, when I heard they were doing a prequel, I thought they were going to do a Colin Firth prequel, like his right. character's origins. I was yeah, like, oh, you think cool. that would make more sense. Okay, it's going to talk about how he got into it, but then obviously that's not the direction they went to. Now, what we know about the movie so far, we actually have a quote from the director himself, Matthew Vaughan, who said, As a collection of history's worst tyrants and criminal masterminds gathered to plot a war to wipe out millions, one man must race against time to stop them. Discover the origins of the very first independent intelligence agency. He sounds like he's doing the back of the box, (laughs) but he did actually say this. Was that a quote? Because I I read that and just thought it was the description of the movie. No, that is a quote from him directly. I don't know why he's speaking so weird about his own movie. Discover the brilliance when you come and see it this summer. <laughs> well, this fall, actually, I suppose it would be next fall. From the genius mind of yeah. Matthew Vaughan. <laughs> yes. The visionary mind of director comes, Matthew Vaughan. Comes a non-stop action adventure. Yeah, it's basically like that. So it looks like, well, the director kind of confirmed this. It looks like they're just going to explore the origins of the actual Secret Service itself. But from what I'm seeing in the trailer, it kind of looks like it's the first already... movie again. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like it's already established and they're just going to do a soft reboot of that first movie. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing as well. Oh, well, I suppose we'll find out when we talk about what we think is going to happen in the plots, how much of a reboot we think it's going to be. But first of all, let's talk about who's in the movie. Let's, because there's a few. There's a fair few characters who popped up in this. Several that we've talked about before, so I'm very excited to revisit them. There's one alumni there that's probably been in nearly every one of our episodes. Yes, absolutely. Now, the first person I wanted to talk about is Ray Fiennes, who's playing the Duke of Oxford. I don't think he has a name beyond that, or at least we're not aware of a name that he has beyond that. Isn't he also known as Arthur? Don't think so. I thought he was. No, they never say that in the trailer. That's not in any of the pre-release materials. Well, I guess we'll see, but yeah. We'll see. I guess we can presume that. But yeah, I've just called him the Duke all throughout my plot, so that's what he's going to be called. Now, of course, we've talked about Ray Fiennes before. (laughs) He was playing Barry the Tiger in Doolittle, as we discussed a couple of (laughs) weeks ago. That's right, he was. But he just seems to be playing the standard Ray Fiennes character that he plays in every second movie now. He used to always play bad guys, and now he's kind of playing like old school British men. 
Yeah. Like, he's kind of gone from sinister bad guy, now he's, like, lovable grandpa. Yeah. He's basically playing his same character from the Avengers, and I'm not talking the Marvel Avengers, I'm talking about him and Uma Thurman. I know which one you're talking about. You're talking about, but yeah, he kind of plays the M character. Yes, because he is M in the James Bond movies That's currently. Right. So I could almost see him playing like Alfred Pennyworth. Yeah, I could totally see that as well. Maybe it's just the hat, and he's not wearing a hat in this movie. I'm thinking of him in the Avengers <laughs> still. Now, the next person I wanted to talk about playing Conrad is Harris Dickinson. Now, Harris Dickinson is an up-and-comer. He hasn't really done that much mainstream stuff. We'll probably see more of him in the future. But the only thing notable that I noticed from his movie history is that he made a short film called Who Cares? And I was like, I couldn't agree more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, best of luck to your future career, Harris Dickinson. You're going to love this movie now. Okay, we'll see. Hey, you said similar about Margot Robbie. Good point. Next up, playing Polly, is Gemma Arterton. I think that's how you say her last name. Now, she's best known for playing Strawberry Fields in the James Bond movie Quantum of Solace. I can't say I've seen her in anything else. But here she is again, playing a similar role. Yes, I recognise her, but I can't say what from. I can't remember anything about Quantum of Solace. Well, she was in it as Strawberry Fields. She was the woman walking around wearing a big Macintosh coat, but it looked like she wasn't wearing anything underneath. We never got confirmed if she was wearing clothes underneath (laughs) or not, but I just presume she wasn't. And then she got killed by being dipped in oil or something like that. Oh, that's right, her. (laughs) Yeah, now you remember. Now I remember. This is another circumstance of all the actors in the movie are either from Harry Potter movies, James Bond movies, or superhero movies. Have you noticed that? Yes. Because next up, playing Gregory Rasputin himself, is Reese Evans, who was Danny Deckchair, if you remember him. Yeah, and he was also in... He was in Harry Potter as Luna Lovegood's father. That's right. He was also Dr. Connors in The Amazing Spider-Man. I was thinking of Little Nicky. He was in Little Nicky. Oh, that's right. He was one of the brothers in Little Nicky. And he was also in The Replacements, which was the first movie I saw him in. I thought you were going to say it was the first movie you ever saw, and I was going to say, wow, (laughs) what an experience. He's done some shockers, man. (laughs) Oh, he was also in The Boat That Rocked. Exactly, like you just said. (laughs) Now, that's called Pirate Radio in the US if you're not familiar. Now, I didn't really recognize him as Reese Evans. When I saw him in the trailer, when I saw Rasputin running around, I was just like, oh, that's just Rasputin. So he's really Gary Oldman up. He's a real chameleon now. He's he's a good actor. Yeah, he is. He He just just, does some shit movies. Next up, playing George V, Kaiser Wilhelm II, and Nicholas II is Tom Hollander. So if you're not familiar with Tom Hollander, he played the bad guy in the second and third parts of the Caribbean movie, the head of the East India Trading Company, I believe. Do you remember him at all? I do, yeah. He had that dramatic death where he was walking down the stairs on the ship as it was mm. being blown away. He was great in those movies. Was he? I thought so. He was like a cartoon villain. I suppose that sort of suited that series. Yeah. So next up, playing a character we don't know the name of, is Daniel Brühl, who I believe we've talked about in this show before. I think he was an actor in one of your special episode plots. He might have been. One of the movies that we made up from scratch. He might have been, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, but Daniel Brühl played Frederick Zoller in Inglorious Bastards, the sniper who got the movie made about him. That's right. And he was also in Captain America Civil War, apparently, because I haven't seen that movie. He was the bad guy in that. And I think he's coming back as the same bad guy in the... Oh, is he making a return? Yeah, he's coming up as the bad guy in the Winter Soldier and Falcon TV show. cool. Coming to Disney+. Plus. Oh, there you go. Are you looking forward to it, are you? Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Very much so. You just want to see side characters getting into adventures. Now, next up is an actor we've definitely talked about before on this show, the hardest working man in Hollywood himself. It's Jaimon Onsu. Now, I think I say his name differently every single episode (laughs) we do. So, in the past, he's been Jimon Onsu. Yeah. But apparently, it's Jaimon Onsu. Possibly he Some people say Damon Onsu, which confuses me. I'm like, the D is silent. We need to work out how to pronounce his name since he appears in so many of these podcasts. Yeah, it is Jaiman Onsu. That okay. has been confirmed by him himself. Okay. I watched a video. Well, we'll go with that. Now, he is playing a character called Shola. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Shola? I guess we'll see when the movie comes out. Now, we've talked about him before in this show. Oh, my God. So many times. Captain Marvel, Shazam, Charlie's Angels. So, this is the fourth time. You asked a couple of weeks ago if Will Smith was the most talked about actor on this show, but it's definitely no. Jaiman himself. And this is not going to be the last time that we talk about him in this show, either. He's going to be back again maybe three or four more times in the coming episodes. He is booking gigs left, right, and center. Like I said, busiest man in Hollywood. Now, we go from Jaiman Onsu to another actor that we've talked about before, playing Arthur. There you go. There's the Arthur that you were thinking of, is Charles Dance. 
Now, Charles Dance, we've talked about before on our Godzilla King of the Monsters episode. He was sort of the bad guy in that movie. He didn't do that much. No. But in this movie, he's He was also playing... in my Lord of the Rings Oh, he episode. was? Yeah. Oh, okay. I completely forgot about that. But yeah, I don't know if he's playing a similar Arthur role to how Michael Caine played that character in the first Kingsman movie. Yeah. But he looks more like a military leader of sorts. That's what it looks like to me. In fact, the information I read was that he wasn't being played. He wasn't playing Arthur. He was playing a different royal figure. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay. So I think, but I think I just looked at that at Wikipedia. So I got this from Wikipedia. So I can tell you in the past when we've used Wikipedia, we have been wrong. It's almost a major mistake in itself to rely on it. Because he's uncredited in IMDb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's hard to sort of pick him. So It's probably just a fan theory that someone went, oh, that sounds legitimate, and wrote it up. So I don't believe that he's the Arthur character in this movie. We could be proved wrong when the movie comes out, whenever it does come out in the distant future. But yeah, for that reason alone, I kind of left him out of my plot. Okay, I'll throw him in somewhere just to throw him a bone. <laughs> he's but in yeah. this one. He's in this plot. <laughs> he may or may not be playing Arthur. And now the last actor I wanted to talk about, I absolutely had to bring this up. First of all, because I don't think we've ever talked about this actor on the show before. And second of all, because he's playing a character called Merlin, apparently. Apparently. Is Stanley Tucci, who we probably know best from The Lovely Bones. Now, before you say, hang on, that's kind of a weird movie to choose Stanley Tucci for, but that's his only ever role where he was nominated for an Academy Award. And deservingly so. He was really yeah, good Yeah, he in that nailed movie. the role of a pedophile. <laughs> yes. Imagine that, going into that audition and they're like, but they clap their hands together and like, this is our pedophile, that's our guy. <laughs> you nailed the look perfectly. But you may also know him in uh, Devil Wears Prada. That's right. And um, he was also in Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, he was too. I always forget that. There's so many little ar- actors in, in that movie that you forget yeah, about. Like exactly. Tommy Lee Jones. Was oh, there. yeah. I completely forgot I that. I know, right? You movie. forget all those people that were in those movies. I find it interesting that he's playing Merlin. Is it going to be the same Merlin that we saw in Hellboy? Or oh, is this just a coincidence? Kieran, you have not. you didn't pay attention. No? I didn't see him in the trailer, so he doesn't really feature heavily in my plot at all, but I'm I'm guessing from your reaction that he's... (laughs) They're going to be going to some site with runes and whatnot and <laughs> resurrecting Merlin in your plot. Absolutely. Maybe it's just a code name because it fits with like Knights of the Round Table, the whole aesthetic that they seem to adopt mm-hmm. in that first movie. So that's everybody in the cast. Should we get straight into our plots? Let's do it. Was it you going first? Yeah, it's me going first How this are week. you feeling? I want to know how you, how oh, you feel geez. about your plot. Being that I knew nothing about the whole Kingsman franchise until yesterday, I don't feel confident at all. Okay. I can't see really anything happening the way that I thought it would happen in the actual movie I'm probably maybe 20% confident with this one though I feel like I'm saying that more and more each episode mainly because I've seen how wrong I could be in the (laughs) past but you never know you never know I'm going to throw some wet spaghetti at the ceiling and hope that something sticks yeah well that's the only way to do it could be more closer than you think. Did you go with what you wanted to happen or did you go with like... I don't know what I wanted to happen per se, but I sort of looked at the trailer. I watched it a couple of times. I looked at the basic outline of the movie that the director said and I went, all right, how am I going to work all these action scenes into a plot? (laughs) All right, let's hear hear it. it. Yeah, all right. So I think the movie will start with a montage of World War One, showing soldiers on both sides being senselessly killed. Now, I think this will be done to establish the time setting of the movie. So we're right in the middle of World War One. So I guess around 1916 or so. So the war has already commenced and it's certainly far from over. But yes, it's done to establish that the world is in turmoil at this point. Something needs to be done and they need a specific group of people to <laughs> give them a helping hand and make sure that it is the war to end all wars. And it's nice to give it a little bit of respect before we just go into a huge action movie. Yeah, exactly. What you mean... World War One, a little bit of respect. Yeah. Well, I think it'll be done really stylized. It's going to be violent. There's going to be soldiers thrown through the air. So like I'm not the- sure how respectful it will be in my version. <laughs> like the Watchmen opener? Yeah, basically. Not that stylized, but pretty similar. Imagine there's just playing some pop song in the background. Like- <laughs> People are being blown up. Yeah. Baby, you're a firework. Didn't they start the first movie by having like a plane flying into a building or something like that? Or a missile flying into a building? You watched it more recently than me. Yeah, they were playing... Oh, some pop song. I couldn't believe it. It felt really jarring to me, but I guess that was the tone of the movie. 
But yes, so with this montage of World War II, we're establishing the time period and we're also establishing the tone of the movie. So we're going to see the stylized violence. Maybe there'll be a fun pop song in the background. Though that seems kind of disrespectful. But as I said, that's the tone that this movie is going <laughs> disrespectful. for. Disrespectful. That's the disrespectful. Tone. No, it's fun. It's lighthearted. It's going to be more like the first movie than the second movie. So at this point, we'll be introduced to Conrad. Now, Conrad's father went off to the war and was killed in action. Maybe one of the many soldiers that we see killed at the start of the movie in montage is Conrad's father. And now, even though that Conrad is underage, he wants to enlist and fight against the enemy like his father did. Sort of like a weird version of revenge of okay. him killing his father. He's putting his own life on the line to try and get back at them. So he runs down to his nearest conscription office and lies about his age, but he's prevented from enlisting by the Duke of Oxford, who I've just called the Duke throughout my entire plot, <laughs> as I mentioned before. Now, Duke was friends with Conrad's father, and he doesn't want to see Conrad meet the same fate on the battlefield. And he tells him there are better ways of fighting than by going to war, as we heard in the trailer. Now, Duke takes Conrad to the Kingsmen Tailors, the same famous storefront that we saw in the first two movies, yep. and gets him fitted for a fancy suit. And I think there'll be a joke here where Conrad will say, oh, are these suits bulletproof? And the Duke will just laugh and go, there's no possible way to make a suit bulletproof. bulletproof. And I think that's a gag that they're going to return to time and time again. Things that are well established in the first movie, they're just going to laugh off as ridiculous. Like, you'll never have glasses that will show you digital information. (laughs) Oh, how quaint we are. Look, we've got a parachute. You'll never have a communication device that will spread over the entire world that you can communicate instantaneously. Exactly. That's exactly the kind of jokes that I think they'll return to time and time again throughout this movie. This version of the Kingsman Taylor shop, there's no secret tube that takes them to the headquarters, so they actually have to get in a car. (laughs) No, well, that would be a long staircase since it was a super fast tube in that first movie, but they have to get into a car and drive all the way over to the Kingsman headquarters, which is in the middle of the countryside. So like we see in the trailer, Conrad is shown to the secret Kingsman base of operations, which is inside the headquarters. The Duke twists a bust and the secret compartment opens up in the library and it leads down to their base of operations. And here we're introduced to the other two members of the Secret Service, since at this point there's only three members. Uh, And the other two members are Polly and Shola. Now they explain to Conrad that they've been investigating what's really been happening behind the scenes of the war, which happens to be that a bald villain, who I basically refer to as Blofeld, because that's who he reminds me of, but he's some sort of Scottish mastermind. He's leading a group of Europe's worst tyrants and criminal masterminds, including Rasputin, Kaiser Wilhelm II, Nicholas III, and I think there may even be a young Hitler who'd only be a teenager at this point, but (laughs) I'm sure they'll work him into the plot somehow. He may be there with his dad... But he, I can guarantee you they're going to reference him at one point. He's the cheap artist they've commissioned to paint yeah, their portraits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just there painting the scene. They're secretly behind World War One. It isn't actually the country's leaders themselves, even though I just said that Kaiser Wilhelm II and Nicholas II were there. Ignore that. <laughs> now, they're all secretly behind it with the mysterious bald villain planning on world domination if the central powers are able to win the war. So they have this tradition where they bash their fists on the table and possibly sing, we do, (laughs) we do, while they talk about all the evil things that they secretly run. In the shadows. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things they're doing is they have Germany secretly building new deadly chemical weapons that may potentially turn the tide of the war in their favour. Ooh. So that's their major plot point moving forward. Gas? Yeah, well, it's gas, but not as we know it. So it's not like mustard gas. It's like gas that can melt a person, basically. Cool. So the Germans are collaborating with the Russians to develop this new special gas. I guess it might even be in bullet form, so you can fire these gas bullets (laughs) into people. They've got all new fancy technology that's almost steampunk in a way. So now that Conrad knows what's going on behind the scenes in the war, we have a training montage, almost quite like we did in the first Kingsman movie, where Conrad is taught how to fight with all manner of blades. He gets to fight with short blades. He gets to fight with long blades, a.k.a. swords. (laughs) As the Kingsmen believe that the sword is the true gentleman's weapon, and they flat out refuse to use guns at all. They go, oh, guns are just unsophisticated weapons. Uncivilised. Uncivilised. How uncivilised? The primates go over there and shoot each other. We do it with swords. Now, this is much to Conrad's frustration, because he's like, well, wouldn't it just be easier to shoot someone from a distance rather than getting up close and personal to stab them? That's not the gentleman's way. You can totally see this happening. Yeah, you could actually see that. I didn't even think of that. 
And Conrad will be like, can't you invent a gun that's kind of like secretly a gun so you could put it inside an umbrella or something? Oh, like that? That's ridiculous. Stupid. Why oh, would we ever God. do anything like that? So after his training montage, Duke decides that Conrad is finally ready to join them on a real mission. So Rasputin is a key figure in the evil scheme and they want to take him out during an elaborate party that Rasputin's throwing in his Russian mansion. We see this a few times in the trailer, his elaborate yes. party. So I can guarantee you it'll be a main focal point. With these two ladies either end. So the Kingsmen travel by train as close as they possibly can to Russia. Now, I wasn't sure exactly where this location would be. I thought maybe it's the French Alps, but that's nowhere near Russia. (laughs) Then I thought maybe Poland, maybe Switzerland. So I finally decided on Switzerland. The only reason I decided that is because they're hiding out in a storage unit that's full of cheese. And then aside from the French, who also has cheese? The Swiss. So it's all this Swiss cheese being made there. So I figured Switzerland's pretty close to Russia, isn't it? Isn't it, Matty D? Uh, Don't look at me. Maybe it's Sweden I'm thinking of. But anyway, <laughs> Switzerland, Sweden, this is the same country. So Switzerland's right next to Let's Russia. Pull up a map. <laughs> and I know that the Swiss were neutral throughout World War One, So I figured that's a country that they can safely go into and cross the border without having too much trouble. So at this point, we'll have the scene that we saw in the trailer where the Duke introduces the concept of a parachute to his other two Kingsmen. And this leads us into a scene where they decide to fly to Russia in aeroplanes. And of course, as is standard for these sort of movies, they're going to be attacked by enemy pilots in other planes and they're going to have a huge dogfight in the air where the Duke is forced to parachute to safety out of his plane. But again, as we see in the trailer, I think there's a moment where he gets stuck in the wing. Maybe the plane is barreling. It's doing a barrel roll, (laughs) Star Fox style. And he gets caught in one of the wings as he's trying to jump out. So he has to force his way out before the plane crashes into a mountainside and he's able to parachute to safety. And when he lands, he's like, I never want to parachute ever again. (laughs) But he hasn't landed exactly in safety. He's landed on the side of a treacherous mountain and he's basically forced to climb to safety or fall to a perilous death. Now, this wasn't in the trailer, so you're pulling this all out of your Oh, we do see a a shot of him mountain climbing, so... I didn't see that. This is just a very loose approximation of that moment. Now, the Duke is a skilled climber, so he's able to climb to safety. And then when he arrives at the top of the peak, he comes across the secret German munitions factory. It just happens to be up there. Who would have thought it was up in the Swiss Alps? Russian Alps. We're in Russia now. It's in the Russian Alps. There you go. If Russia has Alps. It's in a mountain in Russia. (laughs) And there, just for sake of convenience, he's also met by Shola and Polly, who have been waiting for him there the whole time. They got there earlier. And yeah, they, like, they flew there up. and they landed and they're like, where is the Duke? I'm waiting for watches, him to come up. They're like, come on, guys. I forgot to mention earlier that Conrad is taken down by the enemy pilots, but he survives the crash and is captured. So when they arrive at the facility, they've also learnt, so Shola and Polly have learnt this in advance, and they tell the Duke that they saw Conrad being taken in as a prisoner into the facility. So while they're there to basically disrupt the whole weapons-making scheme, they'll need to rescue Conrad before the place is basically blown up. So we have another action scene at this point where they have a huge gunfight and battle inside the munitions factory, and they'll destroy all the fancy new chemical weapons that Daniel Brühl's character is creating, and they'll get into a fight with him as well. And of course, they will kill him. They'll stab him with a sword, and he's done. He's done, Ski. He's gone. I think he'll take a few pot shots at them with a gun, leading Conrad to be like, see why you've got to use guns? But they're like, no, no, the sword is the way we stabbed him. (laughs) It's definitely more effective. Guns are more of a phase at the moment. They'll go back to the sword. Exactly. Look, they put bayonets on the end of guns. They're even combining the two. So during this action scene, the Duke is able to rescue Conrad right before he's about to be hung in his cell by German soldiers because they hear all the commotion going on. They're like, quick, we've got to kill the prisoner. So they go to string him up and they actually do. But that's the moment when Duke bursts into the room. He is slices he riding a up. horse? No, he oh. comes in on foot. He Damn. slices up the German soldiers and he's able to cut down Conrad before he asphyxiates. So next we move on to Rasputin's Mansion. These movies are are typically pretty fast-paced, so we're not going to dwell a lot in between action scenes. So they travel to Rasputin's Mansion, and they're going to enter the party undercover as guests, the Kingsman, that is. I think Rasputin will make a big grand entrance, do a big speech, but he'll spot them because they're not wearing disguises, they're just wearing different outfits. And also one of them is like a duke, so wouldn't he know? Yeah, exactly. So Rasputin is going to spot the duke, he's going to be like, I know you, they're going to have a little bit of a -a tete-a-tete over the dinner table, talking about something like, you know, how the world should work, something along those lines, I haven't really thought this through. Your typical bad guy, good guy exchange. Similar to the scene with Samuel Jackson and Harry in the first movie, where they're eating McDonald's and talking about James. (laughs) Bond movies. It's going to be similar to that, but they can't mention James Bond because he doesn't exist yet. So it's going to be, this is how the world should be run. Do I think the world should be run like this? Is that Rasputin? Yeah, it is. 
Couldn't you tell? <laughs> oh, no, you could tell. You, you recognised his voice. So I think an action scene will break out. Rasputin will call out the king's men and all the bad guys will come charging into the room to kill them. And I think that Rasputin will actually kill Shola at this point. So poor Jaiman Onsu, he's in no more of the movie because he gets stabbed. And this will lead the Duke to have his own sword fight with Rasputin. Long story short, Duke will stab Rasputin, but that won't kill him. So Conrad will come in and at the last second Burn and shoot him. Rasputin. So he'll come in with a Luger and shoot Rasputin in the head, but that still doesn't kill him. Maybe they poison him at the dinner as well. So they put poison in his wine when that he's not looking. That would be a looking, great gag. And that doesn't kill him either. And so, yeah, this leads to the fight because maybe he discovers he's like, there's poison in this drink. I drank it, but I know <laughs> there's poison and it. it tasted like crap. So yeah, they do the standard Rasputin gags where he's really hard to kill. So this will lead to them throwing him in a river where he's trapped under the ice like he did in real life. Rasputin's finally out of the way and the Duke finally realises maybe we should have guns. I could have died if it wasn't for Conrad (laughs) bursting in at the last second and taking down Rasputin with a handy pot shot. So the surviving Kingsmen, so that's the Duke, Conrad and Polly, they return to England and Conrad is finally presented with a special Kingsman medallion. So he's officially a Kingsman. They're like, you've done well, you've passed your test with flying colours. <laughs> that was all the test. And look at this. We've been able to take your suggestion on board. We're making an umbrella that's got a gun in it. So it's a little bit of foreshadowing into yeah. what will come. So now I know you're thinking... And here's Danny DeVito to give you this gift. Danny DeVito? Because he was the penguin. Oh yeah, good point. He had one of those guns too. <laughs> wow, interesting reference. So I know you're thinking, hang on, what happened to the bald Scottish villain? Yeah, what did happen to the bald Scottish villain? So the bald villain, Blofeld, who's been pulling the strings the whole time, is never fully revealed. His face is kept in shape. Shadow, and we Ooh. see him, you know, stroking his cat from behind. <laughs> Next time, gadget. And we discover at the end of the movie that he has big plans for an even bigger war, which of course is World War Two. And he's just like, "Where's that Hitler boy? Where's that painting? <laughs> Where's the painter? I'm going to whisper in his ears and set him up for an even greater war." And so, essentially, we're going to be setting up the movie for a sequel, as is tradition. So it is a reboot, uh, not a reboot, but a, re- a spin-off. Yeah. So the spin-off is going to have its own series. They won't wow. be able to resist doing that. So there's three series that's going to be going in the Kingsman. Yeah, exactly. They're going to have as many pots boiling as possible until they boil over. And who is the actor who played this character? Hitler, baby Hitler. No, no, the bald guy, was it the uh, He hasn't been credited. Okay. Maybe it is. No, it's not Stanley Tucci. So I don't think that Stanley Tucci's playing this bad guy character, even though Stanley Tucci's bald and the bad guy's also bald. I think Stanley Tucci will play the equivalent of Q for the Kingsman. Okay. So he's the one who gives them their gadgets like the parachute or eventually the... Umbrella. Umbrella gun. So the reason he's called Merlin is because Merlin supplied magic to King Arthur and they have that whole Knights of the Round Circle aesthetic. And so Merlin is to the Kingsman as, you know, Merlin was to King Arthur. Makes sense? Yeah. So that's how I think he works in the movie. And I successfully worked a character who I hadn't into the movie. There you go. So thanks for bringing him up, Matty D. It's my pleasure. So we don't know who's playing the villain. We don't see the villain. He is a bad guy for a future movie. You're padding your pockets. You're setting it up for another movie down the line. You're going to milk this franchise for all it's worth. Absolutely. Not what I was expecting. No? Not what I was expecting. There we go. So that was my plot, Matty D. I'm very excited to hear your plot by comparison. Let's let's go into it. All right, so here's where my movie starts. It's going to be a cold open. Right. It's going to start with a heist. Um, Well, technically it's a flashback because we're going back to the 1900s. Well, yeah, I guess so. But yes, regardless. It's going to start in a heist. I thought it might be a different European country, but I'm just going to say for ease, it's going to be somewhere in England where some mysterious men who are going to be called something stupid like the Red Hand hand Ooh. almost a lot like the serbian group the black fist or the black hand that assassinated franz ferdinand the black hand be... was the mafia no i'm talking about um, yeah i know what you mean yeah you, you know what i'm talking about but they won't call them that they'll call them something like the re- i'm gonna call them the red hand but they're gonna have some sort of organization name so they sneak in they're kind of all masked and whatnot and they open a vault that we see in the trailer that's full of gold they maybe shoot some people who are guarding it we don't know what's going on as these characters come in sneak in and the vault doors open and we see all this gold in this vault Hold on. Being Hold stolen. on. Isn't this the opening to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? <laughs> no, this was just a scene in the trailer. So okay, I was like, well, it's got to fit in somewhere. So that's where it's going to fit in. But yes, it is kind of the, <laughs> now that you mentioned it, it is the start of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So now we're going to go straight into the trenches. Now, unlike you, it's not the middle of the war. It's the closing days of World War One. Right. So it's 1918. We're going to meet Conrad and he's going to be introduced as a competent soldier. He'll communicate with this Scottish guy, one of his friends. We'll call him Tristan. 
assistant. Okay. <laughs> and essentially, they... Glad you could work him into the plot. They're sort of sitting in the trenches. They're sort of trying to keep their spirits up. And then all of a sudden, they get called and they've got to go out into no man's land while there's like things blowing up yeah, and claymores whatnot. claymores blowing up. They charge. They fight these baddie Germans with their gas masks. They could be Turks. Yeah, they could be. Could be Russians. And as this is all happening, Tristan, Conrad's friend, gets knocked over by some shrapnel and breaks his legs. All the other Both troops... Both of them. Oh, just one of them. It's a we'll good say, effort. We'll say one of them. Like, he gets knocked over and he gets any, you know, maybe the bit of shrapnel gets a is yeah. stuck in his leg. So all the other troops... Maybe go, he stepped on a landmine. Maybe he did. Didn't get blown up, but he got severe enough of a shockwave that yeah. Yeah, he's incapacitated. Well, in the trailer, both his legs are intact. So I don't think his legs are blown off, but they're injured. So all the other troops go back to their house trenches, in the trench. Their house, their spot in the trench. And Conrad, instead of going back, he decides to help his friend Tristan back. Like he carries him on his yeah. back and carries him through no man's land where everything's exploding. And this is where yeah. we get He's to see... He's a true hero. We get to see his character. And maybe Tristan is just like, leave me, leave me, leave me. But he decides to take him anyway. Yeah, I, thought it'd be fun. Be, I thought it'd be fun if the Tristan character was kind of a jerk to Conrad oh, early on. So they were like rivals coming up through the war. But yeah. then, yeah, he saves then him. Then he saves him. So it could be that, but we'll just say it's his friend. And then the next scene is we have Conrad in the hospital. We get to know him as a character that doesn't have any ties to anybody or anything. So he's getting no letters or anything like that. But he does get a letter that's summoning him to the royal palace or a royal palace. The Royal Palace the, or a Royal Palace? The Royal Palace. Take your pick. We'll, we'll just say Buckingham so not Buck, Palace. Not Buckingham, okay. We'll say Buckingham. doesn't really matter, but that's where we'll say. So he says, okay. So when he arrives, he's greeted by Charles Dance, who's some guy. Maybe <laughs> he was, is George V, even though we're not. Um, he's not playing yeah, George V. He's not playing George V, though, is no, he? Somebody maybe he's is. George V general. Because I, I saw he was general? the Duke of something. So Okay. We'll just the Duke say that. Duke of Windsor, he's, sure. He's got a prestigious title. And then we also get introduced to, as you you like to call the Duke of Oxford. Oh, not to be confused with the, the, Duke, other Duke. <laughs> the Duke that Charles Dance is playing. <laughs> Which is uh, Ray Fiennes. So he comes in an aeroplane and it is revealed and I'm going to call Ray Fiennes' character Arthur for the rest of this plot because it okay. makes sense for me. Not to be confused with Arthur who was apparently being played by Charles Dance. Charles Dance. We're scrapping that. Okay. Ray Fiennes, I, I'm going to go against the grain and say that uh, Ray Fiennes is Arthur. Right. And Charles Dance is just a, a rich aristocratic prince or king or something like right. that. Or Duke. Yeah, or Duke. So, Arthur revealed that he has set up an organization called the Kingsman. He sort of explains that to Charles Dance. And Conrad's efforts and heroics in the war have piqued their interest. It's been told that they have to go f- investigate the theft of a lot of money that was stolen, which we saw in the opening yeah. of the movie. Big heist. And this is where we'll get Conrad in a training sequence in which our good friend, what was the character's name? So they're not in a hurry to get the money back, but they'll get it back eventually. Yeah. Well, they're, they're making the plan to get the money back. They're trying to figure out where it's gone. So we get a training sequence. What was that character's name? Shola. 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 Let's trains him with on, the on knife. Character. It's a lot of retreading, a typical movie of this fashion where he learns about that. He I then... don't think they'll have a scene where he has to shoot a dog. No. Arthur will reintroduce him to the Kingsman and the concept and location where we see the old shop front, we go underneath, we meet everybody, we meet Polly, and we meet Merlin, who is Stanley Tucci, who is the gadget guy because Wow. Yeah, because I pulled that out of my ass. And are you saying that you already planned for this? Well, he's credited as Merlin, and in the first movie and the second movie, the gadget guy was named Merlin. Really? Which is why I was sitting there going, you didn't put two and two together, but oh, you okay. did at the end. I did at the end. I'm so <laughs> glad I said that. Wow. I was like, Whew. when you were like, I don't know what Merlin's going to be in this movie, I'm like, he was in the last movie. Okay. Well, there you go. I should but have then you like, research. then you actually like worked it out, which yeah. is crazy. That's your predicting powers right there. There you go. So, they all decide to go to an Eastern European country. <laughs> you take your pick. Um, Ukraine. Because they've got an informant that they need to meet up with. We get the gag with the parachute where they're going to jump out of the plane and Arthur tells the rest of the Kingsmen that, you know, oh, he's going to be okay. Conrad's going to be okay because I've given him the latest parachute. It's going to be fine and it's all going to go to... Hell in a handbasket. Exactly, exactly. But he, he narrowly makes it down okay. They meet the guy that is playing... Who's the guy that plays the several characters? He's Nicholas... um, Tom Hollander. Tom Hollander, yeah. Tom Hollander is playing multiple different people. He's actually working as an informant in different countries. That's what I thought was going to happen. But I think, in actuality, in my version of the movie, I think he's just playing all these different characters just as a gag. Okay, But my initial thought... No, they don't all look the same. It's just the same actor wearing different makeup and different mustaches. And I initially thought, just like you did, that it's the same guy going around to all the different countries 
countries like pretending to be the king of each country, just as sort of like a double agent. But then I decided against it. I think they're just going to do it as a gag rather than a plot point. I could see that. But in this in this yeah. particular plot, that's what he's doing. And he's actually working with... I just thought it, that was important to yeah. point out. Yeah. He's actually working with the British government to kind of he's see a, what's he's happening. He's a secret agent. Yeah. yeah. Seeing what's happening on each of these countries there and trying to keep them all at bay. And he has intel that the money that was stolen was given to Rasputin. There's your lead. So while they're having this conversation, there's a big shootout. We see it all in the trailer where somebody with a big gun, I'm going to say the red hand, finds them. They're going to like shoot them with that, you know, machine gun. They narrowly escape. They live to see another day. And then they go to Russia and they're going to sneak into Russia as aristocrats. Much like in your plot, they're all going to dress up and try to be really under the radar. Now, because Arthur is a duke himself, he can go in as the duke and he can, you know, try to convince... Even though the countries are at war. Yeah, I mean, you know, know, maybe they're, you know... Making alliances, right? This is all right. the under the okay. table stuff. This is where we'll meet uh, Rasputin and he'll have his big introduction. And this is a big prediction in my plot is he'll come to the song, rah, rah, Rasputin. Yeah, like I can almost guarantee you that. The Bonnie M song. A jazzed up version of that. And there'll be a lot of suggestions about Rasputin's sexual escapades because right. he was known for that. So he's got well, two Well, they girls. have his penis in a jar in real life. Yeah, have you seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was that big, but it's pretty sizable. <laughs> While they're sort of schmoozing and, you know, looking around, they, they find Rasputin's attic where they go down and they see... His attic? Yeah, yeah. Where well, they go down. Oh, sorry. One of those underground basement. attics. They go to his basement and they see an area where there's a bunch of people creating a poison. There you go. Because everyone knows Rasputin was known for poisoning the prince. So they've obviously given him money to create this toxin. Are they Germans, like in my plot, collaborating with the Russians to make these chemical weapons or the poisons? I'm getting who... You don't really know at this stage. So anyway, this ha- this turns into a big fight scene we see in the trailer where they tr- fend off Rasputin. They beat him. They there's find a little out bit of sword play. There's a little bit of sword play and they find out Rasputin is supposed to meet some people who gave him the money and that he was giving the poison to. They were, He was meant to meet them in a dignified club in Germany. A dingy nightclub? No, this is a dignified nightclub. <laughs> okay. So they fly over to Germany and here's where, is where they discover all the tyrants. These are all the big yep. bad criminal guys, masterminds. Criminal masterminds that are all sitting around a table. They manage to go in and see them discussing all the world events and what these guys are doing is they're pulling the strings from behind yep. and it's all being led by Stanley Tucci. <gasps> we were Merlin. betrayed, I know. Doing his best Scottish accent. I know. So then they go back, they decide to go back to London. Arthur hops in a car and drives in, but as he's driving in, he actually gets Driving into in where? He's going to Buckingham Palace to okay. tell uh, Charles Dance that Stanley Tucci is a bad guy and also that- I love that in your plot. Duke is Arthur, and Arthur is the Duke. Yeah. Wow, that's well, not still, confusing. He's still a Duke, but okay. you know, he's playing the Arthur role in, okay, the, yep, yep. in the thing. So he's driving in, but he gets uh, in a traffic situation. In traffic with, jam. With, uh, with the returning soldiers. In the 1900s, soldiers, that's a good effort. With the returning soldiers. Oh, I see. So he's with these returning soldiers that are coming in and being paraded. Yeah. And then a kid. So he can't drive around them. A kid comes in and throws a bomb at the car. The car explodes. Chase ensues. How's he chasing them if his car's exploded? On foot. Okay, yep, I'm with you. They managed to, the kid gets away, but so they managed to get to, despite all best efforts of being nearly killed, they get to Buckingham Palace where they meet up with Charles Dance and tell him about the plot. And it turns out, another twist, Charles Dance was the bigger mastermind oh, wow. this entire time. So here's what's been what happening. What a shock, Charles Dance being a villain? Yeah, yeah. So he got the red hand to steal the money to pay Rasputin for the poison to create a super Should soldier. call it the Dance Corporation instead of the red hand. <laughs> So they wanted to use Rasputin's formula, which there is a scene where he's injecting someone with the formula, so we might see the effects of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, this formula creates super soldiers. What oh. they wanted to do, Charles Dance, Stanley Tucci, and the the group of tyrants, is because they saw the world. They saw uh, World War One was ending and didn't have the beauty of hindsight. They wanted to continue a war because they were profiting off it. So right. they decided yeah, yeah. that it's this a is machine. what they were going to do. It's an industry. Exactly, exactly. So they wanted to hire the, the red hand to steal the money, but they wanted the money back. So they made the Kingsmen find the money again so they could get their gold back and frame Rasputin. So they get both. They get the money, they get the formula, they can walk away and chuckle bad guy yeah, like And then continue the war. Big fight scene happens. It goes off the streets of London. It includes a tank. The good guys win. And we end with Colin Firth looking at a picture of the original Kingsman going, yes, oh, I, w- I wish I was in those glory days. So it flashes forward. It flashes forward because wow. we're, we're setting up for the third movie. We've got to entice people, got to get people ready for the next Kingsman movie, Wait, which will be the third one. He's alive? 
Yes. Okay, I'm guessing in the second movie it comes with, like, oh, with an eye patch or watched, something. You've only watched the first movie. Yes, he is alive. Okay, there you go. Sorry. No, that's all right. I wasn't going to watch it anyway. Yeah, well, that's my plot. There we go. Well done. How did you manage to do it so quickly? <laughs> I feel like mine was way longer. <laughs> I know my Kingsman. Not wow. really, but I'm pretty confident with the... Because you could see uh, Rasputin injecting people and stuff. Yeah. So it's going to be in that direction With somehow. a crucifix-shaped syringe. But honestly, what they do, it is so up in the air. It could go yeah, in exactly. any direction, like... Like it's you know so either of us could be right yeah and then it could be something entirely different who who knows with this one that's what's so difficult about it yeah there's no rules that sort of tame it because they they're not afraid to go completely crazy and the movies are known for being really out there and over the top so yeah. I, I think they're going to really try to make it an old school World War One serial like an Indiana Jones esque style thing in mm, the King that's not a bad flavor idea. so I think that's what they're going to go for so it's just going to be completely self contained well you know like Leonardo DiCaprio killing Nazis with a, a flamethrower flame style Okay, stuff. I'm with you now. So if you, dear listeners, have your own theories on what you think is going to happen in The King's Man, and if you think they're better than ours, or <laughs> they don't have to be better, they can just be different ideas following the same suit, you can let us know at several places. We've got an email address. It's potentialspoilerspod. That's all one word. Potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can leave us a comment on this episode's page on the Podbean website, if that's where you listen, or you can find us on Facebook. Just do a search for Potential Spoilers Podcast, and we'll come up pretty quickly with the little caution symbol logo, and you can just tell us directly there. Send Matty D a DM. That's it. That's it. And let us know if we missed anything in the trailers or the promotional materials. Let us know if we got a There's character wrong. There's plenty that I missed. Because I'm seeing different characters credited in different things. It's, yeah. it's everywhere. I, I kind of feel like Matty D's plot had a completely separate set of characters to my <laughs> plot. Yeah. So I can't wait to see, first of all, how the movie pans out. And second of all, what other people think will happen in it. Me neither. So now that we've covered Kingsman, I'm very excited to announce what we're going to be talking about next week. Yes. We're actually taking a break from predicting movies. It feels like it's been months. It has been nearly three months since we've done this last. I'm so pumped to get back to this. Yes, me too. So we do this once in a while. Like I said, it's been a few months. Mm. But what we do when we're kind of fed up <laughs> with predicting movies is we take a little break and we come up with concepts for our own movies. That's right. That's right. If you thought we were annoying by, you know, trying to guess plots of potential movies and sounding really pretentious, well, now we're going to put our skills to the test and try to create a movie out of pretty much thin air. We're going to beat Hollywood to the punch. So how we decide exactly what we'll be predicting, what exactly this pretend movie is. So we have six concepts which create the category of the movie that we'll be talking about. And then we have about 60 movie titles and series that we possibly will explore. So for example, our categories include remake, reboot, sequel, prequel, spin-off and adaptation. And we like to keep most of our movie titles a mystery so you won't know in advance. But in the past, we've talked about doing an adaptation of the Dragon Ball anime as a movie or a sequel to Cool Runnings. <laughs> yes. So you never really know what we're going to get, but we basically leave it all up to chance. I'm going to have Matty D roll a die. The first die roll will dictate what category the movie will be. So remake, reboot, sequel, prequel, spin-off or adaptation. And the second die roll will basically tell us what exactly within that category we'll be exploring. So it could be anything from Indiana Jones to Harry Potter or anything. Yeah, Harry Potter is on that list. Yeah, just to spoil it a little bit, but yes. All right, <laughs> all right give us the first it. roll, Matty D. We got a two. We got a two, so that is a reboot. Have we done a reboot before? We have done a reboot before. We did the it? Jurassic Park reboot. Oh, we did. Five. And number five is Robin Hood. So we're going to be doing... A reboot of oh. Robin Hood. Like, that hasn't been done before. Oh, like, that no. hasn't been done to death. But this oh, gives us no. a perfect opportunity to do something interesting with it. Yeah, something that they've so. rarely done in the past. So, I know, quick, before you turn it off, before you run away, before you don't come back next week, think about all the places that Matty D and I could take a Robin Hood reboot series. We could literally put it in space if we wanted I was to. thinking space. So, now we can't do that. Great. Well, uh, you know, we could both make a spacey Robin Hood. So yeah, if you have an idea of how to reboot Robin Hood in a way that hasn't been done before and in a way that isn't boring, you can let us know in the places that we indicated before. But I'm very excited to see what Matty D comes up with. As I am you, Kieran. Yeah, so join us next week for our Robin Hood reboot. Oh, Tally-ho. And thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. called a parachute. It means that one can jump out of a plane safely.
It's an inanimate fucking object. You're an inanimate fucking object! 